So one of the disadvantages to doing this podcast remotely, I'm here in Denver and you're in Indianapolis, is that sometimes the FaceTime call cuts out. And uh, so this is take three, which is lots of fun. Love starting over. Speaking of FaceTime calls, uh, after we recorded the last episode last week, um, I actually got a FaceTime call from my 15-year-old sister, Olivia, and it was her and Vivian, who's six, just calling to check in, seeing how I was doing. They were FaceTiming me from what used to be the boys' room, but now all the boys have moved out of the house, so it's apparently become like a, a gathering area. Right. And I just thought it was really cool that here's my sister number, or whatever, kid number seven, sister number three, who uh, who's 13 years younger than I am, feels that we have that kind of relationship dynamic where she can just do a FaceTime call and, and see how I'm doing. And that kind of friendship between siblings is not as common as I grew up assuming it was. So it just made me wonder what, what kind of deliberate steps did you and mom take in your parenting to try to foster relationships between your kids? Mm. Yeah, I would say kind of an easy one from the get-go is family dinners that we uh, made sure to to take the time that we were gonna we were gonna eat together at six o'clock, and that was something that my mother and my mother-in-law coming from Mexico, her family did that, and so when my father-in-law and she were married, and he he's a physician, and he had a lot of work to do at the hospital, especially when uh, they were first married. And she insisted that he would be home for dinner. And if he had more work to do, then he could do that after dinner and he would go back to the hospital. But that was ingrained in Maria through, uh, through her mom, through her, her family of origin. And so we decided that we would, we would do the same thing. And I, and I know from the outside, when I uh, spent time with her family and she had seven siblings, I really loved to see how they interacted with each other. It was it was cool, um, and they uh, they would they would fight with each other. They would uh, talk with each other. They would play with each other, and uh, and they would also. I just wasn't used to this. They would they would challenge each other on things that uh, I just loved to, <laughs> to hear what what they had to say. Um, but the whole dynamic was something that was uh, pretty enchanting to me. And I thought, you know what, I want this for my kids. I never realized how much they uh, that friendship that they had. Like I, I wanted that. I wanted that for me, and I wanted that for them. And that's just what they re, they were used to. So, I think having that time together that that was everybody agreed we were going to do um, do dinner that the, and protecting that really made a difference in our family dynamic and how we how we relate with each other. Well, and and we really did have to protect it because you you worked from home and worked for yourself for for most of my growing up which meant that there wasn't a clear clock in and clock out time unless there was one that you defended. And I know that we were all homeschooled. And for me, I love to procrastinate, wait till the last possible second. So often at six o'clock, I was still in the basement doing school and somebody would come down, it's time for dinner. Oh, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat dinner right now. I have school to do. But it was something that was really important. And we knew there were other family activities, family rules that could be bent, but the the six o'clock for dinner wasn't really one of them. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and that struggle still goes on. I mean, as we still have four children at home, there's uh, 
last week, the same thing. It one of the kids wasn't coming and I had to go downstairs and say enough, you know, it's like, we need to do this. It's like, but I'm not done with work yet. Like we're never going to be done. <laughs> There's always more, more work to do. So, uh, but I think you bring a good point that it does need to be protected. It's if it's, if it's important and worthwhile, then we need to, we need to protect it. And that sends a message constantly. We're saying that you are important and your presence in this family matters. So that family dinner thing that, that we all uh, stick to, and especially uh, mom and I to make sure that this is going to happen, um, again, sends a message that, uh, that, that you're important, but that, that you're included and we want to hear what you, what you have to say. And then it's just fun to see the dynamic that emerges from that. So, you know, sometimes there's uh, little jokes going on at the other end of the long table. <laughs> so actually when, uh, we, we had to buy an extra long table with extra leaves in it to fit everybody when everybody was home and we had, uh, 10 children and, uh, two adults, so 12 people around the table. And as kids have gone off to uh, been married and other ones off to college right now, like we pull leaves out of the table and we said, gosh, it feels so empty, uh, even though there's there's me and Maria and four kids. So there's six of us around the table and it feels empty. Um, but there's there's something really good about the different conversations. And there's sometimes that I'm talkative and I'll be sharing things that happen for the day. Um, and other times your siblings will be talking about something. Uh, or there'll be a fight, you know, one arguing with another. And I'm like, okay, everybody stop. Need a moment of silence. <laughs> so, um, so the, it's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, not all perfect. pretty. It's not like, it's not every dinner is not, you know, a Hallmark movie and the lights are all right. glowing, you know, golden and, and everything's hunky dory. No, like there were some times that there were fights earlier in the day that would manifest at the table or discussions at the table that would mm -hmm. turn into fights. But I think that that's, that's part of the beauty of family life. I think that if, if you gloss over the imperfections, both when talking about it to other people, then you create a, mm -hmm. a false idea of what family life looks like. But within the family, if you gloss over the imperfections, if you don't confront them, if you don't learn to deal with them, then you're just burying a problem. And it's going mm. to just like when you bury something and like the ground around it, you know, is affected and, it, and it, the plants grow differently because something was stuck right. under the surface that's going to come up later. And I think that there right. are a lot of, there are a lot of family dynamics that, you know, if you don't address it when the kids are younger, then the problems are much bigger, you know, mm. further down the road, which kind of leads into another thing we wanted to talk to on this topic, which is the impact that apologizing asking for forgiveness and forgiving had on the dynamics in the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was something that I don't know why we started it, but we started it early on um, pretty much imitating what happens in confession where when one, one child it, it causes some kind of problem to the other, that we got the two of you together, whoever it was. And you had to say, I'm sorry, John, and you had to use the name. We had this formula. I'm sorry, John Andrew for having, you know, hit you. And, and then you, uh, it was interesting because it, uh, we, we said, you know, it's not, a, the priest always forgives. If you, if you like are repentant, you, there's always forgiveness given. And so um, there were times where one of you would say, like, I don't feel like forgiving. And it's just like, well, forgiving is an act of the will. It's not a, a movement of the emotion. The emotions may come and they may not come for a while. Um, but that, that having to take the time to to speak your name and be face to face and say i'm sorry and then for you to forgive it wasn't okay in our family to hold grudges 
um, which was uh, we, we laugh about that when we would you guys would be on the playground or be somewhere else and there'd be some child who would uh, who would take something from you or push you and you guys would be expecting well isn't this the time that we're going to make up it's like well not with that child <laughs> that child's gone even though there were some times and I pulled some kids in and I said well let's let's do this and the kid was kind of like had never done something like that before and now I was teaching them how to do that but uh, the fact that that was the expectation is that we're gonna we're gonna get through this. We're gonna own up to the part that what we did and uh, or what I did wrong and 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 there was there was something really good about that because uh, then you knew that you could you know come come back eye to eye with your sibling even if you might have somewhat of a disagreement. Um, you're going to have some kind of growth and after to see you guys play together again it's like whoo you know that worked and i i it, there's there were even times that even now like when you guys will come back and i'll hear some uh argument break out about something and i remember recently going going to bed one night where there was an argument between you know two of the kids and waking up the next morning and finding out how it was resolved and it was resolved like i've we've never had it where there's been this ongoing fight or issue that that has just pervaded everything and and that we couldn't you know like it got resolved usually that day and usually within you know a short short amount of time sometimes it might be a couple hours but you know things got resolved something you said earlier is i think countercultural, but it's so true and so important which is that forgiveness is an act of the will mm. it's not a feeling but i would take it a step further and say asking for forgiveness being sorry is also an act of the will, mm. not a feeling. Because there there were plenty of times as a kid where I would get into a fight with somebody and I felt like I was 100% in the right. I hadn't done anything wrong. I have nothing that I need to apologize for. And the fact that I'm saying it like that, I was totally in the right. I did nothing <laughs> wrong. There's nothing I need to apologize for. Tells you that I probably could at least apologize for losing my temper. And being forced and i use that word very deliberately forced as a kid to go through the motions it's kind of like with the sacraments where it's an outward sign of something that's happening interiorly mm-hmm. it's that outward manifestation that the making the choice even under you know no you need to apologize that would start to to create the change internally mm-hmm. and it at the point that that i get face to face with a sibling and say i'm sorry for losing my temper <laughs> Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Okay, now you guys have to hug. Uh, I don't want to hug. Okay, and now, all right, now laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Like at the point you've done that, even though if it's just going through the motions and it feels so superficial and, and unimportant, it's hard to stay mad after that. Right. Because I think that we, we all want to, at least for me, I want to be an integrated person. If I say something, then I want it to be true. You know, mm-hmm. and at the point that you're choosing to make that that decision, you've you know, you've taken the first step and the rest just seems to flow. And the great thing is, I don't think that there's ever a point where a relationship is kind of like not moving. I think it's either moving in a positive Mm -hmm. or a negative direction. Mm -hmm. And if you don't choose to apologize and do so quickly, then things can fester really quickly. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to apologize, then the other direction, you're starting to rebuild those positive, you know, positive emotions. Yeah. And I, well, and I remember a specific time where one of your siblings was, uh, had some feedback for you and she was, she was pretty mad. Um, and she had pointed out some things that were true. That's like, well, yeah, that's, that's something that it would be good for you to talk about. And I said, you know, Jen Andrews is a smart guy. He probably has some other perspective on that. Um, but it was interesting because at the, at that point she was, uh, 
she was upset enough that um, as I listened to her, I said, I said, well, hold, hold on a second. Before you talk to him, I want you to, you know, just tell me 10 things, 10 good things about him because you're sounding overbearing right now. And she, uh, and she was like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just want to go and, uh, you know, two, two shotgun barrels full and, and, and shoot. And I was like, well, that's not going to be very helpful. Um, and so, and she couldn't immediately tell 10 things. I mean, she didn't want to say anything good <laughs> in the moment. And so I said, well, if that's where you're at, you're in no position to, to try to go and give him any type of correction. And, uh, and so she had to sit with that more. And after uh, she, she came back to me, she said, you know, thank you, because um, she was almost uh, blinding herself to, uh, to the good and not being as open as, as she needed to be. And I remember several months after that, she had um, gone out of her way to, uh, to point out for you some, some cool things that you had done. Um, and it was really clear to me that she had taken that taken to heart that she needed to look again for the good. And then she found so much uh, that she turned it into an article and you know wrote about the cool stuff that that you had done for her. And I, I mean, I was touched. I was almost in tears. Like, wow! Um, it gave me a new perspective of you through her eyes, the way that that you know the things that you had done uh, for her. Um, and, and it gave her a new appreciation for you because she took the time to be grateful. And, and so, like, I look at that and I just think, you know, praise God that we had worked things through and it was an expectation that this is how, how things are going to be. That article touched me a lot, too, because, frankly, I didn't remember half the stuff that she wrote. Mm. You know, and it was like at the point that she brought up, oh, you, you taught me this and we had this conversation. We were in Phoenix and this happened. I was like, oh, yeah, totally forgot about that. For me, it didn't it didn't feel like it was this monumental thing. Yeah, I think I, I think that's so cool that, that you I mean, it obviously benefited me. So thank you. But it's also <laughs> so cool that, that you, you pushed her in that direction, because growing up, despite the fact that we would apologize, despite the fact that we would have dinner. Um, I did not get along at all when I was younger with my sister, Gabrielle. And this is not news to anybody. She would say the same thing about me. We were both very hard-headed people and we butt heads all the time. And I will never forget, she was probably eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. And we were um, at church for our family holy hour on Sunday evening. And she like just disappeared. We couldn't find her anywhere. And the the church that we went to was kind of secluded. So the odds that she had been like kidnapped were not terribly high. But for whatever reason, I had this moment where I confronted the idea that she may have been kidnapped and might be gone, gone. And Mm -hmm. I was terrified and like shaking and so nervous about it. And that was the moment that I realized, you know what? Despite all of the conflict that we have, despite the fact that our personalities don't really mesh right now. um, I know that I love her because (laughs) the way that I'm responding to the idea of her being gone was not like, Oh, finally, thank you. Don't have to deal with this. It was completely the opposite. It was like, I don't know what I would do without this person in my life. And so I'm glad that for my younger sister, that you were able through, you know, a parenting moment to kind of bring some of those, those positive, positive things out. Yeah. And I, I'm grateful to see that 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 dynamic that was I mean, and, and quite frankly, we had an advantage that um, that you had around you, your aunts and uncles to see their relationship as well. So it wasn't just me seeing seeing it, but you could see how 
um, how mom and, and, you know, and, and her siblings would, would interact with each other and they would call each other and, and talk to each other and, and talk through also some hard issues, which, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they, you know, get to certain issues and they, you know, things are off, you know, off limits and that didn't happen in her family and it doesn't happen in ours. Um, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, don't, don't talk religious and religion and politics. And it's just like, well, those, <laughs> that's kind of the, gets into the essence of what's really important, like why you exist, um, and what life is about. And then, and the politics is like, and how does that translate into the public arena? Um, and so what's i think that you guys all got that message that when it came to important things that yeah you need to be um discreet and there's times to not talk about some subjects uh but when it comes down to like why i'm here and uh what what life is about um like that's on the table and we need to be challenging each other on that if we feel like one or the other you know is off um and that's yeah that that was really necessary and helpful i mean what a gift that is and it, again, is not something that happened by accident. It's something that that's mm-hmm. very deliberate. There, there are so many things in our family that now that I'm an adult and now that I have to make choices about when I eat, who I call, who I spend time with, I realize these things were all very deliberate. Um, and, and there was, there's one moment that that stands out to me really strongly, which was through our parish actually they encouraged the family to sit around the table and go around and have a like an hour of time set aside for everybody in the family to say hey so and so when you do this this really hurts me and i remember that was i don't remember if it was through a religious ed program or what that it came up and we definitely had this mentality we already apologize to each other all the time like we don't we don't need this but we chose to do it anyway we thought we'll just spend 15 minutes and we'll be done And what ended up happening was something that I don't think any of the siblings will ever forget. It started with the little, I think Colin at the time was probably eight or nine. And he said, you know what? So-and-so older sibling, when you make fun of me for this, and then he started crying and he says, that really, really, really hurts. And I remember like... I had no idea the impact I was having on my younger siblings for the negative in areas that I thought were just jokes or I thought were just, you know, like, oh, I'm just goofing off. Of course I love you. Of course, no, like I don't mean to hurt you. But there was a deliberate space created to be vulnerable about this. And the second that Colin, who really has a heart of gold and is much more quick to, to open up about that, the second he opened up, it went around the table. Everybody was in tears. Everybody had some area where they felt hurt by other siblings. And then after, I'm sorry for that. Will you forgive me? And we would give hugs. And the thing is, I don't think a single one of those hugs was the, okay, fine, I'll give you a hug. No, it was the opposite. It was this, this like, I need this. We need to be reconciled because we didn't recognize how, how deep some of these wounds were. And again, that's, mm-hmm after all those other things have been in place. So sometimes Mm -hmm. even if you have the family dinner, even if you have the apologizing, even if you have, oh yeah, we're on good terms. Sometimes you have to make that deliberate concerted effort to say, okay, let's check in. Where are we? Mm -hmm. What, what needs to be addressed? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great point. I'd forgotten about that. I, um, as you bring it back up, yeah, that was, that was poignant. And this is something that we haven't done. Um, I, 
I wish we had done more of that. Um, the I had heard from a friend who was in religious life who talked about how the way that they would correct each other and say, here are two things that you're doing uh, well, continue to do those, you know, this thing. And you would, you would, you would look some good finding, like you do this, thank you. And you do that, thank you, keep, please keep that up. And here's one thing that I would ask you to change. And we, we haven't implemented that, um, but I, I heard that and I thought, you know, that, that was, that's missing. And that could have come up in, in a situation like what you expl uh, explained uh, when we were around the, around the table. So um, I, th I think it's important to realize that there's always, there's room for improvement uh, as, you know, people were, I, I heard it described that uh, family life is like a rock tumbler. You're constantly bouncing up against different personalities. And, you know, and frankly, with a big family, there's, uh, there's really a beauty uh, and a gift to the pain of it, that you have all these different kinds of personalities that you're, you, you might, if you only had one or two siblings, you don't have nearly as many other edges that you're, <laughs> that you're bumping up against. And so uh, having a whole array of personalities and, and perspectives, you know, people think different than, than, than you do. Um, and you don't get to just walk away. You know, they're your sibling. You do need to, uh, you need to face that and, and work with them. So, um, you know, and the little idiosyncrasies and the things like how I like to have my drawer and you like to come and take something out of my drawer. It's like, stop it. Or you're messy and I don't like messy. Uh, you know, that still goes on where, um, it's tough to be, to share a room. So, um, I, I think the, the fact that that, but it's on the table that we need to keep working on it. You know, it's, it's, uh, like, as you said, a relationship is dynamic. It's, it's always moving and that we have to be intentional to say, I'm, st I'm sticking, I'm sticking with this. Um, because like, what is, what is hatred? Uh, hatred is, it's like, well, I, I stop looking for something that's good. It's like, I'm done. You know, there, no, we're, we're not, there, there's no longer anything more that's good that, that we're going to try to work out. It's like, that's not, that's not an op, it's not the Christian option. And so within well, the family, we need to live it. Hatred is such a strong emotion often because it's, it's the external manifestation of pain. Mm. You know, you, you can't hate something that you don't care about. Mm. You know, right, right. And, and and that from a faith perspective, you realize that God has put your siblings in your life. You know, mm -hmm. God created these human beings and said, "These are the people who I want to be raised together." You know, right? And and so you know that 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 as you said, running away is not an option. And I think that that also that mentality of we know that God put us together. We know that we're in each other's lives. We know that that we're supposed to grow from each other also precludes the possibility of saying, you know what, we're just going to let this problem, we're going to bury it and never handle it. And I think that when you have a mentality of saying that when you have conflict between two siblings, maybe not tonight, maybe we're both tired, maybe we both need to go to bed, but eventually yeah. we're going to handle this conflict, that carries far beyond the first 18 years. Mm -hmm. Because I know when I was, let's see, this is 2016, so I was 24 um, Daniel, my next brother and I went on a road trip together to Utah and we were in the car for 40, 50 hours together. We were two weeks going to these different national parks. And in the beginning, it was a lot of fun and a lot of just like, you know, catching up stuff like that. But as the trip went along, some of those, you know, 
he had been in college for four years and I'd been out of the house for six. So we hadn't dealt with some of those like little kid problems that we had had. They started to, to butt up. And I remember there was one night, I'm not proud of this, but it's true, where he said something. It just ticked me off. And I like stormed out of the hotel room, got in the car and just drove and shut my phone off so that he couldn't call me. And I was just gone for like three hours. And I came back and he was already asleep and I went to bed. We both woke up the next morning and we didn't talk to each other for two or three hours. We just pretended that neither of us were in the room and we had decided thankfully beforehand what park we were going to that day. So we just got in the car without talking, started driving to the park without talking. And finally 20, 30 minutes into the car ride, he's just like, are you going to talk to me or what? And the second he broke the silence, I blew up and I'm like, boom, boom, boom. You, this, you, this, you, this, you, that. And we had a discussion that started very, very, very heated, which lots of testosterone in the car. That's what you're going to get. But we both knew underneath that there was a problem that needed to be solved. That was the underlying expectation. And so that's why there was no point during this completely immature, silent treatment where I thought this is how it's going to stay. It was like, no, one of us is going to finally be mature enough to say we need to talk about this, even if it takes the form of, well, are you going to talk to me or not? And one that ended up happening, we got to a a key area where the fact that he had gone to college and I hadn't, and the way that we were treating that dynamic was causing both of us a tremendous amount of pain. I was constantly telling him, you don't need to go to college. You don't need to go to college. You don't need to go to college because I was trying to validate my life choices, but it made him feel like I was saying that he was screwing up his life. And he was fighting back saying, you do need to go to college. You do need to go to college. College is important, which I felt like him was, was him telling me you're screwing up your life and I don't want to be like you. And those are some really, really tough questions. But to your point, we had the mentality that we're going to work through this, that it's not an option to just say, you know what, we're going to pretend none of this is an issue. And then at the end of this road trip, we're going to go back to our lives and just never confront it again. No, we dealt with the issue and our relationship blossomed in a completely new and beautiful way because of that interaction. Yeah. And I, I think that <clears throat> that comes back to the point that you made before. And I've said this uh, to your siblings at various points that God chose your like your sibling for you of all the different personalities and, and quirks or whatever they are. Like God said, I want this person in your life and I want that person in your life for your holiness, for your happiness, for the challenges that they're going to, uh, they're, that they're going to pose for you. Like God had this in mind. And when you say, no, you know, like I, I just, I wish I didn't have to deal with it. Like, no, that's, that's not what God wishes. <laughs> and, and because that's his plan, then there's something good here and we have to keep keep digging through the manure until it comes out because manure is wonderful for new growth and there's plenty of opportunity for new growth when you've got when you've got a whole bunch of siblings and you and you know okay we need to work something out here that's all we have time for today if you like what you've heard on the podcast please subscribe leave a five star review and encourage your friends and family to do the same If you want to support the work of Strong Catholic Dad, you can become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 a month. I quit my job back in 2018 uh, to found Strong Catholic Dad, and as of right now, it's not enough to pay the bills. So 
anything that you can do is appreciated. Until next time, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless. Mm -hmm.